Well, hello there, and welcome to episode number 22 of Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the fact that your clients have the answers to all of the questions that they are seeking, all of the answers that they are seeking to any question they have is found within themselves. All of this will make perfect sense as I'm about ready to right now share with you episode number 682 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show where I feature a coaching conversation that I recently had on Clubhouse with a gentleman named Curtis who basically says, I'm a little concerned right now about where to go in life. And I was curious about outsourcing ideas beyond people who know me well. And I wanted to see if I could get some advice from a coach and a professional such as yourself. Now, this was a a potential client who came to me on Clubhouse, and in the conversation, he's looking for me to give advice. And I gave him no such advice, at least not the advice he was looking for. The only advice I gave him was to go buy a book and read it, all right? Outside of that, listen to the conversation, but you're gonna get a whole other setup for this conversation in the opening of Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I'm just gonna play the whole Cliff Ravenscraft Show episode for you. By the way, this is episode 22 of Cliff's Notes on Profitable Coaching. When I started this podcast, thinking I would share a couple of my tips about coaching along the way as I was implementing the prosperous coach method for creating clients as I was inspired by the book The Prosperous Coach by Steve Chandler and Rich Litvin. I thought this episode or this show would have about five to ten podcast episodes. Well, here we are, episode 22, and I don't know, there might there may be many more episodes to follow. If you're not already, I would encourage you to go ahead and search for the Cliff Ravenscraft show in your favorite podcast directory. That's the, you're going to hear episode 682 of that show. And also, there's a list of other podcasts that I have. If you check out my website, cliffravenscraft.com, click on podcasts, and you will see the list of shows that I have. I have produced 48 podcast shows and over 4,600 podcast episodes since December 2005. So I've got a lot of content out there. But again, if you're not subscribed to the Cliff Ravenscraft show, that's the one you definitely want to make sure that you're subscribed to. And then spend a little bit of time listening closely to the message at the very end of the Cliff Ravenscraft show about my offer for 90 minutes of one-on-one coaching if you find yourself in the loop of seeking answers to the most important questions that you're trying to figure out in your life to free you up to do what it is that you feel most called to do in this world. All right, without any further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and go straight in to episode 682 of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the 
world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right. Welcome back, my friend, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Hey, did you know the answers to every question you truly want to know the answer to is within you? As I have been studying and improving my skill set as a coach, one of the things that has come up over and over again is that in this idea of coaching, that it's less about giving advice and more about asking the right questions of your clients so that they can find the answer within themselves. It was probably about four or five years ago that I read this book by, I think his name is Michael Bungay Stanier. It's called The Coaching Habit, and it was all about avoiding the advice monster. (laughs) And it gave some incredibly powerful questions that, as a coach, you might want to ask in coaching conversations. And if you ask these series or these types of questions, not that you need to go through an entire line of them, and not that you ask them in the in with this wording, but if you can understand the heart and the meaning behind these questions and adopt it to the conversation, you could become an incredibly powerful coach helping people find the answers to the questions that they have within themselves because they already know the answer subconsciously. In their heart, they know the answer. Their truth is within them. And an effective coach will learn the art of asking really awesome questions and then helping that person dig within themselves to find the answer. Now, this is something that I've been getting better and better at as a coach over the years. I'm not saying that I've perfected this magic. Some people do uh, choose to seek my advice, and they really want me to give them my opinion on certain things. And I must admit that sometimes I bend to that pressure and, and give a little bit of advice. Hey, if you'd like my advice, take it for what you will. This is what I would do if I were in your scenario. But understand... I'm not saying it's the right thing for you, uh, but I I've, I find myself hovering the line of coach and consultant, uh, mentor, advisor, and many of my clients love that and desire that. But when we go to the pure essence of coaching someone is helping them find that the answers they truly need and desire to have answered or the questions that they have that they truly need to have answered or desire to have answered Those answers are within them. Now, what you're going to get in today's episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show is an example of that. I was on Clubhouse, and it was yesterday as of when I'm recording this. So this actually occurred on Friday, May 27th, 2022 on Clubhouse. I launched a room, something titled along the lines of, what are you creating Uh, and support, you know, I'm here to support, whatever. It it was for support and advice. And this gentleman, actually, I was in the clubhouse room for two hours total, and what you're going to get here is just a 20-minute conversation that happened in the middle of those two hours. Curtis 
came into Clubhouse. It was his first day on Clubhouse, and my room happened to be the very first room he'd ever been in Clubhouse. And it just so happens the whole reason why he was on Clubhouse, why he set up account, was specifically to seek some advice outside of himself on what he should do moving forward on something that has really been that he'd been wrestling with inside his own mind. And what I want you to hear as you go through this, notice where I gave advice and where I only asked questions. Pay very close attention to that. And I'll come back in after you have had a chance to listen to this entire conversation. Curtis, hello. Just click that little mic button at the bottom right-hand corner, and you will be unmuted. How are you? Hey, Cliff. How are you? It's good to speak to you. How are you doing today? I have never been better. It gets better every single day. Is this the first room in Clubhouse you've ever been on? Yes, it is. It's a great honor to be here with you today. What made you sign up for a Clubhouse and make this your first room? This actually just came up right when I signed up. I had actually heard of you before somewhere. Your name sounded familiar, and so I I joined and and clicked in, but somehow it just showed up right uh, after signing up and everything a couple hours ago. You said this just came up when you opened up the app. Why now? What prompted you of all times today to sign up for Clubhouse? That's a good question. So I'm actually, a friend of mine recommended Clubhouse to me uh, a little while ago, and I'm a little concerned right now about where to go in life. And I was curious about sort of outsourcing ideas beyond people who really know me well and seeing if I could get advice from a coach and a professional such as yourself or some other people on on Clubhouse. And yeah, that's sort of why I chose today more than any other day. Dude, I, I cannot believe you popped into this room and that is what you're looking for. So may I have permission to ask you some questions and to maybe even coach a little bit? Please do. Yes, absolutely. All right. So, Curtis, let me ask you the first question I like to ask anyone. It's it's a pretty easy question. I'm, I'm just joking. It's what the most difficult and challenging question anyone could ever ask. But I'm going to ask you this question. Who are you? Like, ask yourself this question. Who am I? When you ask yourself the question, who am I? Or if I ask you, who are you? What comes up? That's a great question. I th- I've sort of bounced around all over in life. I thought I wanted to be a professor when I was younger. I love school a lot. And after getting my last master's degree, I tried to start a tech and entrepreneurial law incubator. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer at one point, And then I thought I wanted to be a, a business administrator. So I've been sort of all over. Right now, I'm really satisfied with where I am in terms of law and in terms of my career as a sort of running a small startup in California. But I'm concerned really, you know, with where to go. And um, so I, I suppose to answer your question, I would say, I'm a person, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a, I'm a technologist, I'm a scientist, I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm a lot of things. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I suppose maybe my, my lack of answer is a little concerning. What do you and, think? Well, first of all, there was no lack of answer. You spent a great deal answering that question better than most people who are asked that question because I asked this question to lots of people. So, congratulations on that. And by the way, there is no wrong answer to that question. 
<laughs> That's the great thing. Yeah. And the and, and if if I can give you a little hint about my philosophy of life, you can adopt it or reject it or just toss it to the side or whatever. Uh, file it away just in case it might become valuable to you in the future. But my philosophy is that you could answer anything you want and that can become your reality. So that's that's just a little tidbit number one. The second question I'd love to ask you is, I'm gonna ask you two different questions, but they're really asking the same thing. Why are you here? And I don't mean here on Clubhouse, but I'm talking about why were you born? And the other way I'm gonna ask this question to get your mind thinking in this way is what's life really all about? Wow, that's a really two powerful questions. I suppose in, in short, simple terms, I'd say that I'm here on this planet to create value for others and to live a, a purpose-driven life in service of others in, in any way that I can, whether that's you know through charity or through business or through just helping out my neighbors. I, I think the, the whole point of life is really just to help others. And if you can help yourself in the process, that's good too. Awesome. I love that you had an answer for that as well. Okay, so the question, as you saw for the the room here, is what are you creating? But I would like to ask you, I'd like to ask you to remember a time when you were a little kid. Maybe you were somewhere between the ages of four years old to maybe nine or ten years old. What did you enjoy creating as a kid? Hmm. Um, as a kid, I loved school. I loved creating answers to problems. I loved, you know, doing math homework. I, I really liked science from a young age. So I love sort of piecing together problems and I still love doing that. So I suppose that, yeah, from a young age, I'd say that my, my primary goal was to see problems and try and solve them, whether they'd be really simple uh, at the time that I was so young or more complex now that I'm older. You're in a law slash career small startup business now. What work do you do currently that does not feel like when you think about the work that you do, what work do you do that doesn't feel like work? Meaning that you could do it for long stretches of time without getting tired or bored. What work do you do that doesn't feel like work? Yeah, that's a really good question. And thankfully, I also have an answer to that. So I run a small Silicon Valley tech startup in uh, law at the intersection of law and entrepreneurship, essentially. It's sort of a first in its kind thing. It's been going for just over a year so far. We're doing reasonably well enough to sustain ourselves, which is nice. And I love doing it. Uh, But the problem really, you know, the business is doing well. But a few of my partners in the business have uh, have PhDs, and and so I sort of felt the peer pressure, like I needed one too, and so it's a little bit of a tricky situation there. So I actually started, and I, I'm I'm a little bit. This is where I'm at the crossroads and might need your help. I'm a little concerned that that school getting a PhD is taking a lot of my time away from what I love and could do forever building that business, and school is also taking a lot of time and more money than it already has, and so I'm wondering if you think I should sort of or if you could advise whether you think it'd be wise to sort of get rid of the PhD, drop out of school, and so I can fully free my dream of running this business full-time, or if you think I should just sort of run two things at once, get through the PhD now so I can look back later and sort of be on the same level as my other partners. 
Okay, so I, I'll take a stab at your question there. I just want to make make an observation that you didn't answer my question, but that's okay. I want to serve you, and so if that's the question you want to dive into, we'll dive into that. So let me ask you. Oh, sorry. My, my, to answer your question, I apologize. To answer your question, I, I would say that running the business is the thing that really, really, really brings me joy and I could do endlessly for, for hours. I apologize. No, do, I, 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 it was just an observation and, and, it, and it's fine. I, I didn't mean to call you out like I'm like upset about it. It's just like, eh, it's interesting. I might have to come back to that question. So running the business, when you're running the business, like what aspects of it, what, what do you love most about running the business? And I'll come back to your other question. Um, that's a good question. I, I suppose it's just something that's mine. You know, I, I like that. I, I mean, I, I work with others, of course, and that's creating value for others is the thing that gives me more a lot of purpose. So I think that's, you know, I, I'd spent so much of my life in school. And in school, you don't really, at least in my experience, you're doing a lot of thinking and, and you know, submitting assignments and things to professors. And that's good, because it enriches your mind. So you can go into the, the world and help others. But, you know, now that I'm in a position of business, I think the thing that I enjoy most is really exporting my own value into the real world and creating meaningful and impactful change for others. So I suppose broadly, that's the whole thing that motivates me. And then the other thing is just being an entrepreneur. I think that's really interesting. And there's a lot of more, a lot more risk in doing that than going to school. So I'm enjoying sort of having fun with both creating value and, and living as an entrepreneur. Okay, that's awesome. By the way, if you ever were to go back and listen to the replay and listen to the words you just spoke, those are valuable words. I, if I were you, I would transcribe what you just said because it will, it will reveal more to you than you possibly might be consciously aware of. That came out straight from your subconscious mind out to your conscious mind into this recording. So the replays are turned on. So Curtis, you said that you're in this business startup. You say you have business partners. Is that what's going on? You're a partner in this startup? Yeah, that's correct. I, I sort of assembled a team and we worked together. Yeah. Okay. So, ooh, so I hear that you assembled this team. So this is your startup, but you brought in some partners. Is this correct? Yeah, that's correct. Pretty much. All right. So they have PhDs. That's correct. Yep. All right. And you don't, and you say there's some peer pressure. Now, when you say there's some peer pressure, where does that show up? Does it show up in conversations with your partners or only in your mind? Uh, that's a really, really good question. I think it's mostly in my mind, probably 90% in my mind. I, in a way, I sort of feel like, you know, it, it's very subtle and almost, I, I don't feel it really from them because I love my partners. I think they're really, really talented and extremely intelligent individuals. I just, I, I sometimes feel like, you know, if, if, if we would ever be bought out or sell to an investor or something where we were being audited for something and they had to figure out which one of the partners is the least valuable or is the least, you know, perhaps, I don't know, dispensable or the most dispensable or something like that. I feel a little bit of being seen as the least valuable person. And I'm wondering, you know, do I just, do I get the PhD and be done with it or just stop and realize that, hey, maybe I, my contribution to the to the company is my contribution to the company and a PhD is sort of just a, another degree on my, on my um, resume. Well, do you think that the PhD is going to make you the more valuable than you currently are? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's certainly, I'm, I'm, the PhD is in computer science and, and a lot of what we do is within tech. So it certainly helps. I don't know if it would really, you know, for what I do, which is primarily a managerial and, and lawyer type thing, I already have my law degree. So I don't, have to really go deep into computer science, but I felt that an understanding of it might be useful. 
Have you ever read the book Think and Grow Rich? No, I've not. I would encourage you to read this book. It, it's not a it's not a long read. It's a very old book. I think it was published in 1927 by Napoleon Hill. And in it, he talks about Andrew Carnegie, probably one of the, you know, one of the wealthiest uh, business owners in history. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's certainly up there at the top, Andrew Carnegie. Now, he, I believe it was the American Steel Company that he owned. Did you you know that uh, Andrew Carnegie knew nothing about the steel business? I did not know that, no. I knew he was very rich, though. I know he donated uh, in part Carnegie Mellon University, which one of my partners uh, got their PhD from there. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if you read this, you'll hear the story of Carnegie and, and the, how he built the American Steel Company. What he did is he used the power of the mastermind. So, he put, he brought in people who were skilled in the, st- in the various areas of the skill industry. He brought somebody who was skilled in the financial realm to handle all the finances. He, uh, you know, he basically, all he did was show up and he took people who were experts in each of their fields and helped manage their ability to work in harmony with one another. In essence, mm. that's what I'm hearing that you're doing. So Andrew yes. Carnegie never went and got any kind of education on the steel business. Now, don't get me wrong. You own a steel company and you make as much money as you do. Over the years, you'll learn some things through the conversations that you're having with people. But I'm, what I want you to know is when he started the American Steel Company, he knew nothing of the steel business. He only hired all of the people necessary that would ta- that it would take to operate a profitable steel company and so i'm not i'm not going to give you an answer to what you ought to do but what i will say curtis is just the way that you asked the question the first time the fact that that 90 percent of this is in your head i think you already know the answer that's very interesting and yeah you know that with the with the conic comparison in fact you know, I now that you say it like that, I mean, essentially, I could say that between our three partners, I'm sort of the law and business administration side. My other partner is accounting, and the other one is the computer science. So we certainly sort of divide our labor and our skills and, and try to create as much value as possible. And perhaps you're sort of leading me in the right direction that maybe I should take on more of a senior managerial role and, and just you know, oversee the company as I've been doing. And perhaps a PhD is just a formality at a certain point. It, you know, if we can do, if we can be successful, then why spend all the money and time continuing? Um, I suppose is a rhetorical question. So yeah, I mean, do you have any thoughts practically on how, you know, I'm not going to be done with the PhD theoretically until 2026. And, and that's a lot, a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, so yeah. I well, suppose. let me ask do you, you this. Do you, do you have any children, Curtis? I do not. Okay. Do you have a of any anybody like a close friend, a brother, or anybody that anybody else that you know that's a close friend that you love dearly? Yes, I do. All right. Imagine they were in your shoes. What advice would you give them in this? Specifically, would you tell them to drop it and save the money and save the time? Well, that's a great question. I suppose as a, as a math major, I'd have to sort of look at it analytically and say, what are the stats of your business? Do you think you're going to prosper in the long term? How, you know, is a PhD really going to be a value added asset to your company or to the world? And in this case, I don't think that it really is personally looking at my situation. 
and I sort of am full of regret uh, for actually starting and enrolling. I've done a lot of work. I actually enjoy, I mean, I love school so much um, and I love the great universities in America, but um, I don't know if, I don't know if this is more of almost an indulgence that takes away from my primary joy or if it's, if it's something that will actually add value. And I, I I'm thinking I'm, as I'm talking to you and, and, in hearing your observations, I think it's it's the former rather than the latter. So I should probably consider finding a way to either take my studies elsewhere or just drop the PhD entirely and fo- focus fully on the business because practically it's sort of draining my resources as a, as a CEO and entrepreneur relative to actually adding. So it's sort of subtracting from my net value rather than adding to it. Now what I'd like to ask you to do, Curtis, is this. I want you to imagine if you took the advice that you just suggested to yourself, imagine for just a minute what your life would be like over the next three years. Yeah, for sure. That's a great idea. Wow. You know, just when you say that, I feel like when I don't have the PhD, there's so much freedom. When I do have the PhD, you know, it's it's just going back between school and work and home, school and work and home. And that's sort of you know, gets gets boring in a way after a while. Not that I dislike any part of that. It's just the the process, the routine that might get a little redundant and such. So yeah, I mean, I think right when you say that, I, I think I'd be more free to just drop the PhD and focus on the business, you know, make money, um, you know, serve others, do that and, and maybe just put my love for school in, aside for a moment at least and, and come back to it later if I feel the, if I feel the need to. But yeah, I mean, I think your advice is very, very uh, clear and good. Well, first of all, I, I want—I would just want to make an observation. You do realize, Curtis, I've made no advice whatsoever other than to read a book. Uh, that's true. Yeah, you're sort of extrapolating advice from me from your question. So I apologize. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you have not. Uh, you have not. I, I'm sort of just talking through this myself, I guess. Yeah, this is this is the, this is what I love about coaching is is really because I this is something that I believe. I believe the answers that we all seek sometimes in others are found within ourselves. Sometimes it, we have a hard time asking ourselves the right questions to get there. But you know, the I think so far the most powerful question is if this were your if this were your dearly loved friend or brother or something like that. It's it's amazing what advice you would give them that that would be in what that you believe would be in their best interest, but yet you might not be willing to give that advice to yourself. So it's it's sometimes just just asking you, and all I did was ask you to remove yourself from it being you with the face facing the decision, and take it out to somebody that you love, <laughs> and 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 then remind yourself that you love you as well. And, and what you want is important. And, th- and if there's one last thing that I'll share with you here, Curtis, is that I think you ought to do whatever you want. Obviously, there's, there's no doubt in my mind you want to be of service to others. You want to be service to the community. But I, I hear a lot of language about, man, there's regret about starting it. There's the time, effort, and energy. It's distracting me from my duties as a CEO, I, I, which, by the way, I'm hearing on the same side of the, on the opposite side of that coin is I'd be much more productive and more valuable as a CEO if I had this extra free time. And even if I asked you what life, when I asked you, what would life be like if you followed that advice that you had just given? And there was, it was, it was barely audible, but I heard it when you unmuted, there was a sigh of relief. Yeah, for sure. I mean, certainly um, there is a sigh of relief when you, when I just envision my life of not having to 
to drive. It's about a, it's, it's a long drive from where I live in California to go to Stanford every day. And it's, it's tough. I, I, I love what I do. It's really cool to, to study it, but it's just, I, I feel like, like you said, I'd be such a more productive entrepreneur if I just could go from my home to my business and, you know, sort of live life more. Cause I feel like my life is so packed right now. So I think you're, you're extrapolating it from me, and I, I'm so grateful for, 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 for to you for that. One uh, okay, so uh, I said the last thing would be my final thing, but one other thing is is uh, it's clear that you have a passion for learning. You have a passion for studying, passion for growing. And uh, gosh, just imagine if you got up in the morning or you know at, at night, and all that time that you would be traveling and all that other stuff, you could read as many books as you want. You could become a self-taught person and read one, two, or three books on any subject and become an expert on that area. And what I mean by expert is not necessarily that you have all the experience and everything. It's just that you know more about that topic than most people because most people don't read three books on any one topic. There's an infinite number of books, it seems, out there for you to read and dive deep into in your own free time and still enjoy all of that learning without all of the you know requirements that maybe are associated with getting the PhD that you don't like. Yeah, that's great advice. I, you know, self-education in many ways has, has broadened me and it was one of the reasons I was able to get a scholarship in the first place to come to America. And you mentioned Nashville, Tennessee. It's funny, I almost took a full ride uh, from Vanderbilt University, which offered me a scholarship. And so I could have enjoyed that Tennessee weather, but I instead neglected to go to New Jersey. But anyway, uh, thanks so much, Cliff. I really appreciate your time and your effort and your energy and everything you do for this world. I look forward to, to finding more out about you and seeing how, uh, how we can potentially work together in the future. Well, there you go, my friend. That was my conversation with Curtis on Clubhouse. And I hope that you got some insight for yourself as you begin to see the kind of questions. Maybe you might want to ask yourself and journal the answer to the question, who am I? You might want to also ask the question, why am I here? <laughs> could, could be valuable to maybe journal the response to that, see, if you, see what you come up with. You might also ask yourself, hey, when I was a little kid, what did I like to create? You might ask yourself, what's life really all about? These questions are incredibly powerful in and of themselves. Now, if you're not able to get the answers to some of the questions that you're seeking right now, if there's any area of your life where you kind of feel stuck, if you feel like you're in a repeat pattern of the same thing over and over again, seems like you've got this idea of what you want to experience in life and you make te- steps towards it, it seems like you're making some progress, but then something happens and you get looped back into where you were in the beginning, or at least it feels that way. Little hint, it's never that way. You're always progressing. You're always moving closer towards your dream, towards your goal, but I understand I've been there. I know what it feels like to feel like I've made no progress at all, even over the past three years of effort and time and energy and all this other stuff. But take it from somebody who's been through that loop many times. It's only looking back can I see all of the progress that I made and realize that nothing was wasted. No time was wasted. No effort was wasted. No energy was wasted. It all brought me to where I am now and made me to who I am today. So, but 
if you are in that loop anywhere in the process of that loop, if you feel like there's some sort of answers that you're seeking that you're not able to find within yourself, I'd like to offer you my coaching. It's what I do. So if anything in this conversation resonates with you and you're thinking, you know what, I would love to have a conversation with Cliff like Curtis just had. Just one-on-one, 90 minutes with me. Would you like that? If so, I would encourage you to head over to my website, mindsetanswerman.com or cliffravenscraft.com, whichever is easiest for you to remember and or spell. They'll both take you to the same place. Click on the Work With Me tab and then uh, submit an application for my one-on-one coaching right there on the website. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode, say thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cliff Ravenscraft Show, and until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset Answer Man.